is he or isn't he? Speculation continues on whether Governor Yunkin has presidential plans. Plus, the race gets more interesting with Governor DeSantis and Senator Scott tossing their hats in the ring. In other news, a Democrat candidate in Virginia publicly attacks the Family Foundation. And the retail store Target is the latest to feel the pain in the stock market after pushing transgender propaganda. We're going to talk about all this and more. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, before we get into today's topics, I just have a little bone to pick with one of my colleagues, Catherine Wiley, because while she was on vacation in San Antonio, she was floating down the famous San Antonio Riverwalk, and she posted to all of us in our staff chat that I'm on this Riverwalk, and it's almost as great as the Richmond one. And I just have to say that as someone from Texas, that that's really going to offend a lot of Texans because we have a lot of pride in our San Antonio Riverwalk. You cannot compare that to any other state. Okay, first of all, I said is much like Richmond's, not <laughs> almost as great, not better than, not worse than. I said much like. No, it is not anything <laughs> have, like. Have you done the Richmond Canal float? Well, I I walked beside it maybe. M- maybe. <laughs> Maybe I know candy. it's not anything like San Antonio. I, it's cultural appropriation, is what. I mean, I, 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 they I, are two <laughs> separate cities, <laughs> and as Jesse just pointed out to me, Sam Houston, the you know like founder of yeah. Texas, was a Virginian. See, so really, who's copying who here? I can't argue that point because I happened to go in the Virginia Cultural Museum and and I saw that they had claimed all of our major. <laughs> Um, you know, Texan figures as having been from Richmond and Sam Houston was one of them. But Catherine, I have to tell you, see, that's going to offend more Texans because you know we have a 67 foot tall Sam Houston statue. I will say, if anything, Texas (laughs) is culturally appropriating Virginia. Virginia is the longest continuously operating legislature on the northern, northeastern hemisphere. Yeah, okay. That was Wait, Jesse. Okay. Now they're piling up. <laughs> right, I have to say something here. Okay, so I have walked by, you know, I've walked the Riverwalk in San Antonio. I haven't actually done it. Um, and I have not done the Richmond one. But I will say this I've never heard somebody outside of Virginia talk about the Richmond Riverwalk. I, I do feel like San Antonio I had is never known heard of the San that. Antonio one. Okay, I think you're missing out because I think it is a thing. Like, you go to San Antonio, you do the Alamo, you do the Riverwalk. I feel like that's a thing. But I, I do have a big announcement. You do? I do. We are, for staff and board retreat, we will be going in the Richmond. Yeah. We are going to go. So we can all have an opinion on this after we've at least now, those of us that have seen both at least. Uh I haven't, I I mean, I can't say I've literally been on the boat in San Antonio, so maybe that's not fair. But we will all be able to have a little more input on this conversation. Okay. What all of y'all saw with all of us happy is genuine because we were all wanting a water thing, and Victoria just announced that she's going to let us do this. So now everybody's happy. So that's that's a great way to kind of (laughs) neutralize. There's a lot of opinions about what we do with staff and board retreat. So, all right. Well, (laughs) jumping right in, last week we had some very interesting developments in the presidential race, and you know, of course, the big one to talk about is Governor DeSantis making his big announcement on Twitter Space with Elon Musk, and I just have to say, I found that the, the start of it a little humorous because I tried to tune in, 
And apparently there were either so many people or the whole thing was just kind of new tech in a technological perspective. Yeah. You but and 660,000 other people tried was, to I tune in. I thought it was millions, but <laughs> you think it, was, it, was, it was thousands at the start anyway. And so we tried to tune in and the whole thing crashed. And all of us are waiting for like 20 minutes. But there was some really quirky hold music. If we could just hear that for a little bit. Okay, I don't know why they picked that hold music, but I guess it sort of sounded like a space station, space hold music, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I was one of the people trying to get in, and I actually got booted out a couple of times before. You know, what they found out was that it was connected to Elon Musk's actual account. So once they figured that out, they could switch and host it on someone else's. But apparently, he's got so many followers, um, it was some kind of technological dilemma. All right. <laughs> well, it definitely made for an interesting beginning. But he did get into some serious topics and uh, had a good launch once they all got up and going. And he did touch on things like the battle with Disney and education, not indoctrination. That was one of the phrases he used. But I just want to know what you think of this whole strategy of announcing on Twitter space and with Elon Musk. I actually think it was genius. I, I actually do think it was really important. It was a statement about the fact that the, the, the media, the legacy media control the narrative. And he basically went to the only place where you can, you know, go straight to the people was kind of what his point was. Look, I'm going to go straight to you. You can get on Twitter. You can hear me. Now, there's about 26% of America that has Twitter. So there's a lot of people who don't even have a Twitter account. So you limit the bandwidth there. But everybody else was talking about it on every major channel because it was so new and different. So I think he got the earned media on the legacy side. And of course, they all had to rip it. They, you know, they focused on all the technology. And they did that because they don't want people going around them to make these big announcements. So it's going to be all negative press. But I think that he really had that I think I think it was a smart idea. I think um, it was, you know, Trump and Twitter have a, you know, the, the kind of an interesting relationship. And so I think that was sort of a little bit of, yeah. you know, hey, I can get on Twitter and I'm not, you know, I'm, I wasn't banned. And, you know, I anyway, so I think um, I think it was a smart move overall. Yeah, those are good thoughts. Um, and keep in mind, he raised, I think last I had seen, and I'm sure it's gone up since then, like 8.1 million was a number I had seen um, more than Joe Biden when he announced more than several others. And so I feel like, it worked. I mean, that's the point. That's why you make a big announcement is actually to raise a whole bunch of money because people knew he was going to announce. They're not getting new information, but you're getting a whole bunch of donations. So, yeah. So after that, he went on Fox News and did his first interview after that official announcement. Let's just watch a clip from that. People hear words and sometimes use words like woke or culture wars. What is the role of the president in participating in culture Wars and, and, and I'll ask you specifically about education because many conservatives think that's a state issue, but that's also a battleground for what people call woke or culture wars. As president, what role do you play? I know governor, but as president, what role would you play? Well, first of all, the woke mind virus is basically a form of cultural Marxism. At the end of the day, it's an attack on the truth. And because it's a war on truth, I think we have no uh, choice but to wage a war on woke. So how does that work for a president? Some of it may be the bully pulpit, being willing to tell the truth and not being deluded by ideology, which we see in many aspects of our society. There are probably ways, though, that you can make a difference. Certainly, when you look at ESG and some of the things that's going on with major financial institutions in corporate America, 
We have every right to be pushing back on that. With education, you know, the federal government approves the accreditors for universities. There's a reason why universities are infested with things like DEI. Yes, yeah, some of it is they may want to do that, but some of it is the accreditors tell them you have to do that. Well, as president, I'll make sure we're approving accreditors uh, that are going to do the opposite, They're, that are going to say, you know what, we're going to accredit you if you are a colorblind university, if you're not trying to divide people uh, on the basis of race. So there are different tools at your disposal. It's not the same as, the, as, a, as a governor, uh, but I think you can have an impact across a wide variety of different areas. Yeah, I mean, I think he hit a lot of these red meat issues there, as you mentioned. And I, I have to say, I love his terminology where he talks about woke mind virus, right? Like, I think that's that's a great way to talk about it. It's almost a sickness that just keeps infecting everything. Um, so I thought that was actually a smart term. Maybe it's been used other places. I don't know. That was the first I'd heard it. Um, and I think that he's addressing it head on and saying, look, there's this war on truth and we and you have to engage it. You can't just, you know, let it kind of fester and let it seep into all these um institutions. So I thought that was good. Yeah, I, I think he was really playing to his strong point of being the one that will tell the truth in the face of propaganda and ideology. So I think he played that up well. That was interesting. Uh, he also mentioned ESG and DEI. What did you think of that? Yeah, I mean, he's got to go to his strong suit. Candidates should should lean into what they're good at. And he's sort of been known on being aggressive on these issues. And I think it was good. And, I, and he's talking about, you know, and he's asked he's asked some tough questions about the federal role versus states' rights. I mean, and what should be done locally on education and all these things. Um, and I think he's saying, look, if they're going to be everywhere, there has to be a role in all these places. And I think he's going to be thoughtful and creative about that. I think we've seen creativity from, from mm -hmm. Ron DeSantis as governor. Um, particularly the immigration issue, he's been extremely creative. I think, you know, when I think, you know, when he actually started shipping uh, immigrants elsewhere, I think it was one of those like, yeah. oh, what an interesting idea. Yeah. Um, and so I think that we've seen his kind of thinking. And I think that's really helpful for him to keep bringing these things to light, that there are there are interesting ways you can handle these problems. Well, what did you think of this idea he seemed to be floating of really targeting the accreditation organizations that are pressuring universities to bring in this DEI stuff? Oh, yeah. I think that's right to the heart of the issue. We know in it's not just in universities. It's every, you know, where people get their licenses. You know, if they're a lawyer, now the bar is starting to, you know, weigh in on these things. If you're a, I mean, literally a counselor, you have to fight for your license if you have to enter into these. So they, they know it's infecting everything, and, and it is the accreditation issue. And I think we have to acknowledge, you know, when you think of just education, okay, conservatives like education to be locally controlled, but we have to acknowledge when you have a president, for example, that tried to make free and reduce lunch about whether you had certain left-wing ideologies, there is a role of the president. And so I think it's appropriate that he's saying, look, we got to go after these, we got to go after the accrediting, we got to go after whatever role the government is taking in this, I want to be the, the counterforce. Mm -hmm. All right, well, he's not the only one that threw his hat in the ring last week. We also had U.S. Senator Tim Scott, who is the only black Republican in the U.S. Senate right now. So this is interesting. Let's just listen to an excerpt from his announcement. Made in America. That's my story. That's why it pains my soul to see the Biden liberals attacking every rung of the ladder that helped me climb. Indoctrination in our schools, inflation in our economy, crime in our neighborhoods, victimhood in our culture. To the radical left that says we're an evil, declining country, I say the truth of my life disproves your lies. I'm Tim Scott, and I approve this message. I actually love 
the story of Tim Scott, and I think most Americans will. His his strong suit is that he is a man of faith, that he was raised by a single mom, and he's highlighting his personal story in you know his his launch and a lot of who he is. And I think that is uh, it, it gives you a platform to take your message. You've lived it, and you can speak from experience. Now, I think that's a little where DeSantis is a little bit weaker. Where I don't think he was as strong on the personal story side. We didn't hear a lot about his family and that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, people want to hear all of that. They want to hear positions and they want to hear who you are and what made you who you are today. Yeah, and also he seems like the perfect person to take on this woke stuff. It would be very hard to counter him exposing this. So I see that as one of his strengths. But I've been hearing some commentators out there saying, you know, he doesn't really have a chance to win. This is him really going for maybe a cabinet position in the DeSantis or Trump administration. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I think that wouldn't even be a conversation except we have these two gigantic figures in the Republican nomination contest. You have President from President Trump and then you've got uh, Governor DeSantis and they're just so bigger than life and and everybody knows there's going to be kind of this feud between the two of them. But I think that undersells Senator Scott. I mean, he's an amazing individual. I think the path, though, and I think everybody else in the field knows this, the path to them actually being the presidential nominee is if these two attack each other so much that they're so they're both so war torn, mm-hmm. someone else can emerge. That's mm-hmm. that's Senator okay. Scott's path. That's the path for really a lot of them. Um, but I think he would make a phenomenal vice president if one of them became the nominee. I think a lot of people think, boy, I'd love to have this guy actually as the VP. And I think he has a lot of the kinds of character traits and and background that you would want as your partner in that. So maybe not even just cabinet and administration, maybe VP. I think so, too. But I've been hearing some perspective that Trump wouldn't consider him, that he's tight with Kerry Lake. Do you think? Yes. I mean, yes. I I think to speculate on who Trump would pick is I I just try not to speculate on on President Trump. I mean, it's just a wild card. But, yeah, I can see why Kerry Lake is certainly a strong contender for that um, based on their relationship and how she ran and all that. Yeah. Um, But I I definitely think he'd be a a real possible choice for like a Governor DeSantis if he were to emerge as the as the nominee. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, also this week, we had news continue to circulate that Governor Yunkin may be reconsidering. That's the word used from an unnamed source supposedly close to the governor. What are your thoughts on that one? Well, this is just the thing. It's like the article really had no new information. It didn't even have a named source. So, I I mean, it's... I think I think everybody is just still, you know, he wouldn't answer the question for so long. And then he did that whole like, I won't be wearing the vest this year thing. And then he releases this presidential video. I mean, this video looked like a guy running for president. I mean, like he he did really he have the fleece jacket on in this video. <laughs> now I can't remember, but okay. I, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. But he just it was very Reagan-esque. It was the future of our country stuff. It wasn't just the future of Virginia. So, of course, there's going to be more talk. And, yeah, we'd really like to know as Virginians, we'd really like to know, are you going to be here? And, it, you know, there's so many things that factor out if he were to run. You know, if he runs for president, then you have something like. Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears steps in the governor role. That affects our t- our next governor election. Is she an incumbent governor, or is it her versus maybe our attorney general, Jason Merritt? I mean, there's a lot of things that we're all sitting around going, we'd really like to know the answer, but we'll just have to wait a little longer. Well, moving on to other topics, there's also news that a Democrat candidate for the Virginia House of Delegates decided to launch a public attack on the Family Foundation on her Twitter feed. And Victoria, I figured we had to cover this because 
this video that she put out on her Twitter feed, it had this huge banner of you and me, our faces, <laughs> yes. because she used our website. It just so happened that our podcast banner was what was up there. So that was fun. Um, but let's just hear a clip from her video. Let's talk about something. Let's, let's talk about something. So this is an organization here in the state of Virginia, the Family Foundation. P.S. It's a 501c3. That's going to be important. Okay. Nonprofit, nonpartisan, faith-based organization. And this here is two of the leaders of this organization. Now, seeing that I'm a glutton for punishment, I subscribed to their email. Let's let's see what let's see what they're talking about. So apparently in Roanoke Valley at the house of Kevin and Nancy Dye, they had an amazing event of 65 people, including Ian Pryor, a Fox News contributor and parents' rights activist. He spoke about the leftist insanity in Loudoun County and how important it is we take back the state Senate and keep the House of Delegates. I just want to point out again, this is a non- partisan group. Now, in attendance of this meeting was also State Senator Patricia Rucker of West Virginia, who talked about how she led the charge in churning West Virginia red after decades of Democrat dominance and how we need to do the same in Virginia. She also shared her story about escaping communist Venezuela and her fight for school choice in West Virginia. Just so we're clear, the same West Virginia that's been declared the least educated state in the nation. 50th. She led the charge for that, guys. This lady led the charge to make her state the dumbest. Okay, first of all, please tell us about this candidate because she came across to me as trying to be kind of cute and snarky and just kind of like an AOC wannabe. So who is this person? I think that's a fair read on what she's trying to do in her sort of space. I mean, I'll just give you some some background. She is a mom. She has three kids and then two more with a blended marriage. She does talk about a, a divorce that she had and how she lived on um, government services and that has made her very passionate about government as a safety net, which, um, you know, is a very uh, Democrat philosophy. Mm -hmm. um, I, she kind of lost me when she said they also have a dog, three cats, and a rat. That's where I kind of went, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm just not into that. But anyway. Um, but There no. was also a frog on the shelf. I don't know what no, that No, I missed that. I missed okay. that. <laughs> um, but I think you're, you're, you're very on point about um, – her kind of being like an AOC because um, what we first saw her, we, I mean, we, maybe other people knew her before this, but where she made her, you know, entrance into the politics was when she did this TikTok video uh, last time, last governor race, and she does this, she does this video, and it's after McAuliffe has made this statement about parents, you know, in the height of the governor race, and she put goes on TikTok and says, uh, you know. I know some of these Virginia parents and they should not be, you know, you should not be mm. the one driving your child's curriculum, like go Terry McCullough or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so she entered into the political fray on the wrong side of parents the first time I ever saw her. So, And she did it again this time because we didn't have time to show the part of the video where she also went after us for taking a stance on Planned Parenthood being inserted into some sex education curriculum or FLE, family life yep. education. Uh, in some districts in Virginia or Norfolk most recently. So she she kind of came down on that again. But moving on, let's just tackle her first line of attack, her main line of attack, yeah. which seems to be an accusation that we were doing something politically inappropriate. Yeah, or maybe even illegal. I mean, she tries to take it to this ridiculous place. Um, so it's very common for people to not understand 
political structures, but as a candidate, you really should, um, particularly particularly because you're going to be interacting with all the different kinds of political structures. And so the Family Foundation is a 501c3. That's a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization, research, education, all that stuff. We also have the Family Foundation Action. That is the more political arm. That's the arm that engages in election activity, where we go door to door and encourage conservatives to come out and vote. That's where we tell people, you know, here's the our report card, for example, where we score candidates because we want people to know how candidates stand on issues. And so these are two different things. And it's very common. This is not unusual. This is on the left also. Um, so Planned Parenthood has all, all of these. And, and a lot of groups have a PAC. We don't have a PAC. Yeah. But that's the most politically extreme. You know, you can do the most with that. But they're mm-hmm. all tax designations that limit your activity. And that's why you have multiple so that you do everything above board in the right place. And we keep them separate and distinct. And yes, um, she apparently decided to get confused about that. I think the funniest part about her being confused is if you look at her website, she has all these endorsements. And she actually has an endorsement by a C4, Freedom Virginia. I was laughing. I was like, something exactly like the Family Foundation has endorsed you. So... It seems like maybe you're not as ignorant as you are acting and maybe kind of capitalizing on other people's ignorance to maybe fundraise off of this or something like that. Yeah, I think she thinks we're a good target for her. She's very, very, very clearly taking all the hard left positions. And so obviously you're going to disagree with everything we stand for, parents being one of many. And abortion rights is very much front and center on her um, issues and so forth, and she makes that a big deal. And so, yeah, I think I think she found it a, a lot of fun to come after us. I don't know that she got what she bargained for. Do you want to tell us a <laughs> yeah, little bit we'll about what happened? Um, but I do want you to explain real quick, because one thing she tried to attack is that uh, she subscribed to our email list and was getting emails about action events. Can you explain why people might get an email like that, like on an action event? or? Yeah, or I mean, it's, they're two different organizations. They're funded differently. But, yes, you get information about both. We do different kinds of events. Like an, an action event will be about the election. It will be more likely to have um, candidates or have elected officials talking about the importance of our Senate race this year. Um, a family foundation email is just going to be more about the issues. It's just yeah. two different things, and you might be on both lists or you might, you know, get both yeah. emails. Yeah, but she couldn't distinguish apparently. Yeah, yeah, apparently. All right. Well, one of the things she seemed super upset about was a speaker at one of these events, and that was West Virginia State Senator Patricia Rucker, who is a champion of conservative values and especially school choice. In fact, she really made groundbreaking headway getting through one of the nation's broadest, most expansive school choice programs for parents, education savings accounts. I think it may be the best in the nation at at this point. Um, But if I'm not mistaken, I think I, I heard Miss Anderson not only insult um, Senator Rucker as dumb, but also pretty much calling everyone in West Virginia the dumbest state, right? I think yeah, that's I kinda, what I heard. I kind of felt bad for our West Virginia friends, Eli. <laughs> <laughs> we, our, our team has many folks from all different places originally, and I think it's ridiculous when you pick on one state. I always find it so funny whenever people like to criticize West Virginia because while the average West Virginian might not be able to weigh into these philosophical theories that this candidate may want them to, the most brilliant people I know live in West Virginia. They can take apart a car completely and put it back together <laughs> yes. from scratch. So I, I would contend that we are not the most ignorant state in the union. Okay. You're pretty good on philosophy. Yeah, Eli, you're so undercut yeah. yourself. Uh, I think that I think the blue collar skills went to my brother and maybe I got a little more of the academic. All right, you're genes. just gonna get yourself in trouble. You better jump in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I you know, really, I think her going after this senator is a, is a mistake because this senator, Senator Rucker, has an amazing background, first of all. I mean 
and she fled communism in, in Venezuela. So, I mean, she's she came to America, has a true American story in every way. But also, what's happened in West Virginia, and I know that this candidate doesn't appreciate what's happened in West Virginia, but we really brought her for a reason, which is West Virginia has had a wholesale turnaround. They are now very conservative from having been a, a Democrat-controlled state. They now are, are overwhelmingly conservative and have passed the most amazing school choice program, which you which you mentioned. But we wanted people to understand what can be possible here in Virginia, that, that there is not only hope to just slightly win, but but to have enough conservatives to pass something that is going to transform the education of all the people in their state. And people would have said it would never happen in West Virginia because West Virginia is rural and there's not a lot of private schools. So a lot of people say, oh, school choice can't happen where there aren't a lot of private schools. Well, school choice actually fuels more private schools. But also, you know, the economic stature of, of West Virginia is not known to be the richest state. And, you know, what we hear against school choice is like it's going to somehow hurt money that the state needs for education and yet they did it and so this candidate doesn't like her story but it's a powerful story she's a powerful woman and we brought her for a reason yeah let's just listen to a quick clip and pardon the dark lighting because it was dusk but let's let her speak for herself for just a moment I realized why am I trying to just give them a little teeny tiny bit just a little and just trying to give a little option to parents when they're going to attack you and they're going to call you names and they're going to hate you let's forget that and next time I'm going to go all out and I told the teachers unions the day after the bill died in the house because I did get it passed in the senate but it died in the house um, I told the teachers unions the next day on the radio I said you better make certain I don't get reelected in 2020 because if I do you're going to regret killing that little teeny tiny school choice bill I don't know about you but she does not sound dumb to me she sounds like a force to be reckoned with but getting back to this crazy little video or tirade maybe that miss anderson did she ended the commentary with what sounded like basically a threat calling on people to report us to the irs um, so that was interesting but that gets me to what you had mentioned before i don't know that this all turned out like maybe miss anderson was thinking that it would because she got a little pushback from family foundation action state director jesse blakely who responded on Twitter and got interesting reaction. We're just going to put up a couple of screenshots for our YouTube viewers to see Jesse's responses. Now, Jesse fact-checked her several times, but also took the opportunity to thank Ms. Anderson for giving us this free publicity <laughs> for what we are doing to champion parental rights and life issues. Uh, Jesse, do you want to quickly comment on this? Yeah, so she decided uh, to go back and forth with me on Twitter. And, you know, the, the best way to Twitter fight is to, to quote tweet each other. So I decided I was going to include our donate link to Family Foundation Action in all of my responses to her um, so that she would share those with her audience and also with mine, uh, which she did several times. So thanks, Jessica Anderson, for helping us fundraise at Family Foundation Action. Um, so for those of you who are listening and not watching on the YouTube, my final response to her was, I'd like to thank Jess Anderson for helping, quote, right-wing extremists, which is what she called us, raise more money to protect parents' rights and defend the unborn today. Now, when I said that, I knew that she would uh, go ahead and block me for it, and she did, so basically I won.
You can always count on liberals to end the conversation if there's too many uh, exchanges of ideas. And I think it's fair to say after having all that give and take and you're suddenly blocked that that means that you've won the debate. So well played, Jesse. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award. This is where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! Well, for this week's Inconceivable, I really did feel like we needed to address this ongoing pushback that we are seeing on corporations really just throwing in people's faces the idea that a biological man is the equivalent of a woman. The problem is they're not just throwing out an idea. They are pushing actual images, disturbing marketing images in people's faces, as well as kids' products. Yeah, I think that's the most concerning part. I mean, you know, you know we had the Adidas. Uh, if you remember, we had Adidas using a biological male to model a women's swimsuit. So, I, so I these, really wish I could unsee that one. I know. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you'll never be able to unsee that. That is that is painfully stuck. And that was disturbing enough. But, you know, now you've got – and Target's been pushing the line for a long time, right? Like, this is not – New. It's just like every year it gets worse and worse and worse. And maybe this has finally gone too far. But basically what they've done is um, things are finally starting to boil over. But they, they rolled out their Pride collection in May, um, which, by the way, can't we just wait till at least Pride month? But anyway, they roll out their Pride collection yeah, in yeah. May. I'm just I'm like, come on, get give it like, you know, there's like every month of the year now. Anyway, right. we, we go on a whole thing about that. But anyway, it's like more than 2000 products. I mean, this is not a T-shirt here or there, which is what it used to be. It is now full on everywhere. And it included things like gender fluid mugs. I don't even know what that is. You know, putting on, um, you know, qu uh, they had queer all year calendars and they have um, products with, you know, for kids that are labeled bye bye binary. I mean, like onesies have some of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, like babies. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to see that there's been a significant amount of pushback in the American population on this. And in fact, Target has now joined Bud Light with seeing its stock value take a nosedive with people reacting to this. And also it's interesting, a lot of this pushback is crossing your traditional political or cultural lines. There's, we're getting people from all sides of the aisle on this that think this is a bridge too far. Um, for example, this one mom's uh, TikTok video really circulated uh, very widely. Now, her language can be a bit colorful. I'm not sure, hopefully we got all of that colorful language out some of that, but the video helps you understand where this frustration is coming from. So let's just play a clip of that. I'm next to a literal onesie. We have glad you came out and I'm so happy that you're queer. I'm sorry, but pride and toddler don't belong in the same sentence. So I found an extra small swimsuit in the child section. It says light binding effect on it. And then the bottoms say, tuck friendly construction they're giving it to your kids if that doesn't give you a reason to boycott target i don't know what does but yeah i actually love this clip because i love that a mom is just you know item by item going this is absurd i mean you know in her in her own way but um but it's good so target is withdrawing some of these products but of course they wanted to make clear that it wasn't you know, because they don't believe in these things. I mean, they have yeah. to keep, you know, doubling down on the ideology. Um, they didn't really acknowledge any of the parent concerns. Um, they they just kind of removed the items and they claimed that it was to protect employees because people are going to get like, you know, 
I don't know, like aggressive with the their dislike. Yeah, their like yeah, like somehow the people that don't like these displays are gonna like act up or something. I don't know. I, I don't. They're really not worried understand. about the well-being of the kids, but the that they're saying. No, 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 not worried about that. <laughs> and like, let's be honest, they remove things off the online portion too. So um, mm. if you if you remove them off online, it's not about the confrontations in the store. But whatever. I mean, we'll we'll let them save face because that's what they're doing. Well, it wasn't really clear exactly what they were removing yet, but at least a couple of items have been verified by reporters to be gone. And those seem to be the the things that they were getting the most controversial pushback about. And one of those was, was this brand that apparently is directed or owned by a corporation that pretty much makes itself known that it's Satanist. It's led by a transgender-identified person, puts itself out there, itself out there as Satanist. Um, so it, apparently at least a couple of those items were taken down because people were like, okay, th- this is just way over the top. I kind of like them identifying the source of all this confusion and, and harm to our kids, but that's a side point. But no, um, you know, this apparently this Satanist company puts out designs that say things like Satan respects pronouns, which, by the way, they clearly have not read the Bible about the character of Satan, and um, he doesn't respect anything. But anyway. He destroys. Uh, yes, that is correct. Like yeah. kill and destroy. But yeah. anyway, um, and, and although it doesn't look like that, that particular product was being sold in the Target store, but they were selling things from the same brand, mm-hmm. like Too Queer for Here, Taupe bags and just mm-hmm. ridiculous stuff like that so yeah, yeah. it's just the idea of, of what you're asking parents and other people to support with their money and just what you're pushing on people um, but as if that wasn't enough at the same time you had controversy breaking out over another sports t- team <laughs> this time it was the LA Dodgers that found themselves at the center of the action. Do you want to share a little bit about what was going on with yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, they basically tried to create this pride night, which is where people go. I mean, like, this is the, they try to do these things. So they try to create this pride night and honor honoring a drag nuns group. I didn't even know, like, put the, I've never put those two things in the same sentence. I've never read them in the same sentence, but apparently there's a drag nun group. So um, anyway, and um, trying to kind of mock nuns, I guess, is what they do, and sort of the Catholic Church's teaching on sexuality. Yeah. So, um yeah, yeah. The, the Catholic Church did put a statement out about this. Why are you honoring a group that's ridiculing um, some very cherished religious freedoms? The yeah. yeah, they've gone back and forth on this. I don't know where it's at most recently, but what is your thoughts? What are your thoughts on corporations constantly trying to push this stuff out and people reacting to it? I'm just amazed that they've chosen one. I mean, as a business strategy, I'm just amazed they've chosen one segment of America to honor, to uphold and they also pick other segments to trash. I mean, that's what this is. This isn't just, you know, we don't like when they put forward all these pride things, but it's not even just doing that. They're picking another segment of America, which Catholics do not make up a small number of Americans. There are a lot of Catholic Americans, and they just are happy to, like, make them a mockery. So I I just, I don't know how that advances brand loyalty. Like, how does that make more Dodgers fans? Yeah, why, why do we have to constantly be alienating certain members of the audience? Yeah. There are things we can all unite around. I, yeah, I, I just it just doesn't make sense to me. And I'd really wish sports could be the one place that we could all come together and just watch a ball game. Like I yeah. just am passionate that I feel like the fact that sports has been corrupted by all this stuff just it, it hurts my my sports soul. Like I love, yes. I love baseball. I'm just stop I'm with stop. you. <laughs> So, I mean, I guess that means we do have to give this week's Inconceivable. I'm going to give it to the on the positive side to the American people for restoring our hope that our country still thinks kids are worth protecting. 
Well said. Thank you. Well, I'm just going to close out by reminding everyone to subscribe to our playlist, Speak Up Virginia playlist. If you haven't already, you can always find our YouTube. Latest YouTube comes out every Wednesday at familyfoundation.org. Just look at our YouTube channel. And if you were on Apple or Spotify, um, be sure to share it with friends. And thank you for joining us. Remember, we are stronger when we speak together.